0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm Dan. I'm here with my dad, Dr. David Jackson, (laughs) and we're looking at Psalm 62 today. We're going to dive into that, but first, Dad's going to read it for us.
1: Psalm 62, for the director, according to Juduthan, a song of David. My whole being is still, alone before God. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my eerie and my salvation, my secure loft. I will not be shaken, greatly. How long will you keep charging at a man? He's like a leaning wall, a fence being pushed over. All of you will be killed. Surely they plan to thrust him from his high position. They delight in a lie. With their mouths they bless, but inwardly they despise. Be still my whole being alone before God, because my hope comes from Him. He alone is my eerie and my salvation, my secure loft. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my dignity are based on God. The Erie of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in Him at all times, people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is our refuge. The descendants of mankind are only a vapour. The descendants of any man are a lie. Weighed in the balances, they're altogether a vapour. Don't put your trust in extortion. Don't be futile through robbery. Don't do what is unprofitable when strength will bear fruit. Don't set your heart on such. Once God spoke, twice I heard this, that strength belongs to God. And to you, O Lord, is covenant faithfulness. For you, you repay a man according to his work.
0: Well, Dad, I think uh, I want to start by just focusing on the change of one word in a section that repeats itself. (laughs) Oh, yes. We don't know much about the context, really. Uh, It just says it's a song of David. Uh, So anything we talk about there is really just hypothetical, made-up stuff. So we'll just move on. (laughs) So the first bit of the song repeats itself again later in the song. Uh, And it's this whole section of... You know, my whole being is still alone before God. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my eerie. Is that right? Eerie. <laughs> eerie. Yes. And my salvation, uh, my secure loft. I will not be shaken. And the first one has, I will not be shaken greatly. <laughs> and then later he just says, I will not be shaken. And so he's removed the word greatly there. Yep. Uh, now, greatly, I presume, has to be applied to the word shaken. Yes. By how the Hebrews struct- structured around this. Yeah, it's very um, emphatic. So there's then... <laughs> A shift I guess as David's doing this and I love this because it's something that happens all the time in prayer mm-hmm. when you start praying you're like oh this is really sucky I'm struggling you know help me to not struggle and as you get towards the end of the story you're like the prayer you're like you've moved on to a point where you're like God you've, you've got this Yeah. Uh, and there's that element of God you know, speaking to your heart as you're praying and it's going you know I'm oh, God you, you're alright Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's why you're coming here in this prayer and mm-hmm. uh, so I love seeing this happen in David. This, the
1: song <clears throat> reminded me of a, a book. I used to teach a class for kids who were emotionally disturbed and behaviour disordered, which is a nice way of saying it was chaos and bedlam <laughs> um, and very, very destructive and hurtful. Uh, these were these kids had had terrible lives. So we're in a classroom and kids are doing damage to themselves and others and you're trying to sit down and work this through with them so that they can rethink what they're doing and there was this great little book that was um, put together by a psychologist uh, that was a program that the counsellor brought in we wanted to use and I I didn't think actually it was a secular book it didn't really have any answers but the title was great (laughs) the first one was called Talk Sense to Yourself Uh, there was a book that came later that was a lot more amusing called He Hit Me Back First (laughs) Uh, but it's where you where you do. You talk sense to yourself. And through these songs, God is giving us um, that process of how to do that. And so David starts out saying, you know, I'll get my theology right. I'm not going to be shaken by this. And then reality cuts in and you go, well, greatly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, it is shaking me. That's why I'm in this song. Um You know, this is not a a free ride in a little bubble. Uh, It's hard. And so you have this talk sense to yourself. Let's start. Let's put our theology on the table. Uh, And as we put the theology on the table, we say, my head says that, but my emotion is over there. Mm. Uh, And my body's over here doing making dumb choices. How do I bring the three together? Uh, Let's start with the head. So when I approach a psalm like that, one of the things that concerns me, Mm -hmm. um, and this is my criticism of church life, I guess, I'll ask the question, are we giving our people enough theology so that when they try to talk sense to themselves... They know the word of God well enough to know what that looks like. Hmm. Um, I I observe that we're not so much doing Bible study as we're doing, they call them growth groups, but growth groups are more social and relational. I hate that phrase. It's all about relationships because it isn't. It's all about the glory of God. Hmm. Um, so, we're finding people who don't know the word of God and are struggling with huge, huge issues. Um, so talk sense to myself. I don't know what's, what to say because I don't know my Bible. And this guy does. Uh, and so when he talks sense to himself, you just watch this disjunction. My head, when it does know the truth, then has to pull my emotion in. Mm. and bring my emotion, my behaviour in tune with what I know is true. So he starts off and says, I won't be greatly shaken. That's what the Bible says. (laughs) What's my experience? Mm, Not so much. (laughs) (laughs) So as he talks sense to himself, we get down to the second round of this, and he's a lot more assertive. Okay, I can do this. Mm.
0: Um, In between, he's actually talking about the enemies... Oh. Uh, who aren't necessarily named here, but probably Saul at this point. Uh, <laughs> could be others, but the enemies are basically trying to push him down. It actually, talks about trying to push over a fence, which is you know, for me has brings back imagery of like you know an army line, and then, as they meet together, and once they're just yeah. trying to knock the other one over. That's a crowd pushing. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm. And so he's telling his enemies, uh, and he's telling. So he talks about his enemies. He then speaks about his enemies to other people, and he says, "You know, you need to really trust in God." Essentially, is yeah. what he's going to come come out to. Uh, I feel like that this is this is real prayer. Like one of the things that I like to see a lot of. Uh, in fact, we actually had a guy come out recently from the states uh, to our church. Uh, he ran a thing for a week, and then on Sunday. He came over to our place uh, because our GC, we're meeting up, our gospel community, uh, and then we broke up into our DNAs, which are like our boys and our girls, smaller groups, accountability mm-hmm. type stuff. Uh, and he was very, very impressed in how real we actually were with each other. He, said, you know, he talked about how he often goes to these kind of groups and you talk to people about you know what sins are they struggling with and they're like, oh, I don't really have any that I'm struggling with. You know, they're, yeah. they're so surface level uh, and that's just not real. And the Bible is the opposite of that. When you read through these oh. prayers, it, we don't have prayer. Like, I get frustrated when I'm leading a group and we're collecting prayer points from people and someone's like, I don't really have anything to pray for. And you're like, dude, you're not thinking enough about your life or you're not sharing enough about your life with us for us to be able to pray for you because there's always stuff in your life that needs prayer. Too uh, and if you're going <laughs> to pray in a real way particularly with other Christians. Like, other Christians, it can be hard because you have to open up and share yeah. your actual life with them. But, yeah, so, so this guy from America, was, because our group was doing really well, uh, particularly that day, he was just like, this is amazing to see you guys so deep. And, like, we yeah. went deep really quickly with the group because we're all parents. We all have kids. And so we're like, yeah, once you, <laughs> you get the time, you're like, right, we're not wasting the time. You know, we're not nah. going to sit here and... Flatterly talk about bits and pieces nice. first. We're going to get straight down to business. And this is... You know, when you read the prayers, the Psalms, or even the you know, prayers that happen in narrative and all that kind of stuff, they're not service-level prayers of, you know, oh, my cousin's sick and, you know, um, be nice if we could manage our time a little yeah. bit better. They're real, you know... Life's hard. We're in trenches, whether it be spiritual warfare, uh, real persecution. Yeah. And... You get these real I, prayers that come I, out of it. I, I had a
1: comment this, just this last Sunday. Um, I mean, this, we, we have excellent preaching, um, but there's one individual who was at our who's at our church who's been through some pretty traumatic experiences, um, and she came out of church at the end of Sunday and just said, "I wish." Um, how was it? I wish they wouldn't keep saying the same thing over and over again in the same words. Um, And part of my concern is that I... when Particularly, I mean, it's hit me translating these psalms. We... Like all the different words for a refuge. There must be six of them in the psalms. And the Bible translations sort of water them all down to one. Mm. So... The idea of being up in an eerie, which is a not a word we use often, that's where an eagle puts its nest, is an eerie. Uh, It's on the side of a cliff where nobody can get at you. Uh, There's a fortress. There's something with a wall around it and battlements. Uh, There's words for, you know, on high, inaccessible, all these different ways of describing what it is to be safe. And somehow we sort of muddle them all all down. And you end up with these clichés. Um and cliches are really annoying when you're in pain. Yeah. Um So David is sitting here basically spilling his guts, not the sort of language you use on a polite church service. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And that, I think, is one of the issues that we have in this song. You watch him talking sense to himself, and there's a reality here. Um And that reality brings us to uh, like this this concept here. He talks about his dignity. Um, you know, that war. Mm. One of the things that I didn't realise, but when you read through the David narratives in the Bible, one of his biggest problems was what people were saying. It wasn't so much the rocks and the spears that were being physically thrown at him. It was the fact that people were out there in the masses talking about him. And so when you watch 1 Samuel 13, 15, no, not those chapters, sorry, got it wrong. 22, 24, somewhere in there. He, when Saul comes to kill him and he, you know, cuts off his robe, robe while he's taking a or he, yeah. yeah, or he <laughs> takes his, um, uh, his water pot and his yeah, spear. Yeah. He doesn't say, just why are you killing me? He says, these are the evidence that what people are saying isn't true. Mm. Now, I hadn't realized that before. David's biggest problem was that a mass of people were saying, David wants power. David is out for himself. David is trying to overthrow the king. David is a traitor. You can't trust him. They were slandering God's anointed. And it was the false accusers that were the threat, not Saul. Saul's only problem was that Saul believed all this stuff. The reality is he probably started it. Um, <laughs> but you see the same thing in Jesus. When Jesus was convicted at his trial, they brought two false witnesses forward who accused him falsely. And so David is going through this and saying, these accusations, this slander is just a growing wall of pressure that's being brought to bear to bring me down like a wall. Mm. Um, and where's my dignity? You know, if people are saying these terrible things about you, where, you know, you've lost your dignity. Um, it's easy to, I mean, we've just passed a law that says if somebody is accused of uh, a sexual assault, they can publish the guy's name before he's convicted. Hmm. OK, because we all want to know where all the pedophiles and the sex offenders are. And I understand that, but the problem with it is um, you've now started this huge wall of gossip and slander if the guy might be innocent. Um, and it's it's as if we've already made up our mind all you've got to do is accuse and obviously he's guilty. Uh, and, you know, we've got problems with... I, I'm only 5% of rapists get accusations get convicted but the other 95% are now going to be named and 5% of them might be innocent Uh, and David's innocent and this wall of slander is just, you know, and he asks where's my dignity Uh, and my dignity my salvation and my dignity are based on God God. Hmm. so you know, push the wall down by all means, but you don't push God down. Yeah. And my dignity is in him. So you can trash my reputation, but you don't trash me.
0: Yeah, and that's a shift too of, you know, you're not relying on yourself either for no. your own dignity, for anything. Uh, David here is going through a process where he's very clearly setting out that you need to rely on God, right? When he speaks yeah. to the congregation, he says, trust in him at all times, you know, pour out your heart before him, God is our refuge. Yeah, you know, and that when you're looking at the th- what's happening, you know, if he's got armies chasing him, all that kind of stuff. If he's in a stronghold and whatever, he's saying, no, this stronghold is not good enough. God is the one that's going to keep me safe. I need to rely on Him. I need to come to Him because that's the only way that my enemies are going to be held at bay. Yeah, uh, and even if yeah, you because know, David doesn't know the end of his story, even if they do come through, it is still God who. Is the one who has covenant faithfulness, yeah. which there's not really any good translation for the word. It's just yeah, yeah that absolute level of love and commitment and faithful, um, just faithful working out of what he said he will do. Yeah, you know, and I think that for for this kind of situation and for the situations that happen for Christians who are suffering is to then know yeah. that regardless of what happens here on earth, yeah. <laughs> you know, without, you're talking about people who you know, 5% get convicted, there might be 5% that are innocent that didn't get convicted, at least you know yeah. 90% who probably were guilty but didn't get convicted. not think they got away with it. That's right. And so we rely on this. We rely on the fact that God is faithful. And he will deliver justice. That's and right. And he will vindicate the innocent. And so one of the things
1: that I... We have this reliance, we worry um in different ways by gender i think um one of the things we observe in high school is you know the year 8 tissue brigade uh girls who go into complete meltdown because of what somebody said or it, it can be little to to a bloke's perspective it can be little but to a year 8 girl it's huge and what people think you know my appearance all those sort of things They're incredibly powerful forces. Um, Blokes don't get it, we misunderstand, but we do get what other blokes say about us. Um, And hurtful as all that may be, uh, the solution to that is to go back and say, well, there's what people may do out here. What does God say? Mm. Uh, Does he say I'm useless? Does he say I'm garbage? Does he say I look like a dog? You know, what does God say? Uh, where is my dignity? Now, oh, uh, this affects us in terms of being believers in the world, uh, because when people take away our dignity, we that's a way of manipulating us to be like them. So we conform. You know, if I lose my dignity because I've got the wrong brand of phone, <laughs> you know, my phone hasn't been updated for 10 years. I'm obviously a dag. Uh, so I have to go out and buy your kind of phone so that you will like me. And all this sort of stupidity that's marketing. I was act, I was talking to a well, a bishop. Yeah. Okay. And this bishop was telling me, he's an Anglican, that we have to have liturgy. By that he means the prayer book and the robes and all that stuff in church, because if we don't have liturgy, people won't recognise that we are a mainstream church. They'll think we're a cult. Just let that sink in for a minute. Um, we have to be a mainstream church, otherwise people won't respect us. Mm. They'll think we're a cult. Um <laughs> Well, you look at that for a minute and go, what is the reputation of the mainstream church? Uh, the mainstream church stands for nothing. Hmm. The mainstream church has been bullied into going with the flow of the culture. Where was Jesus? Was he in the mainstream church? Or where was David? These God's people are rejects. Out of them. Yeah, <laughs> we're all rejects. We live outside the city gate. We are cast out run to the litter deros, and as far as the world is concerned that's where we belong and as a result we go to all the other deros, and bring the good news that Jesus redeems our dignity he redeems who we are and so we go I think we go back to that first line when David's talking sense to himself perhaps in the panic perhaps in the now, just the washing machine feeling of how things are going. And he just says, be still. Mm. And that's that's a wonderful word. Uh, just be still. <laughs> it's a bit awkward in the Hebrew. Be still, my nefesh. Uh, people translate it as, be still my soul. So my body is madly <laughs> vibrating and somewhere in here there's a little <laughs> container called my soul. And we're trying to calm that down. Nefesh is the whole person. Yeah. Be still my life, my person, me. Um, I've got to bring my whole self just to stop and settle because God is my refuge and he's got this and he's my dignity and all these other external things. They're just part of the story. Um, but I can be still. And I think the picture of that is Jesus in the boat. <laughs> um, you know, he's asleep there's been an earthquake the sea of Galilee is the earthquake there's a roaring wind sucking through the waves are like nothing these fishermen have ever seen, they think they're going to die and they're amazed Jesus is asleep <laughs> and they go over and wake him up and he says what are you waking me up for you know, we're all going to die oh shut up, be still he goes back to sleep <laughs> Who's in charge here? Yeah, <laughs> you know my ref. That's my refuge is in him, um, and that that wonderful be still sense uh, is almost a command, just to stop uh, and let that reality sink in. Uh, but yeah, the world is pushing my wall over. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you would like to come and grab the study notes to go deeper, please head over to com slash 125. I almost said mm. 62 then. That's the chapter of Psalm as <laughs> yeah. the song. Uh, if you're enjoying this, please hit the subscribe button. Come and join us again when we go through Psalm 63. And have a fantastic week. Mm.